0: so it's great to see this church growing doing the work of God amen someone want to ask me who where, well, were the Kaskies. Uh we've been married some 49 years and uh, my wife's been enduring me for all that time and uh, I'll just have you endure this saxophone just a little while and we'll be done with it okay but uh, thank you we're going to uh, I don't think I'll need that for the sex. <laughs> I'm plenty loud. How many know the old song? Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Amen.
1: the Lord
0: is in this place I can feel his mighty power and his grace I can fear the brush of angels wings I see glory on each face surely presence of the Lord is in this place Hallelujah, amen, amen, amen I know God's presence is here and he wants to really minister to everyone that is here this morning I appreciate every dad that is here We've had a world of missing fathers it's good to see you here. Good to see you are involved in the work of God. It's how some of your dads leave when Sunday school was called. That's one of the greatest things in the world to put a man in a Sunday school class. Because they can influence. This is not for sissies. This is for men. We're not looking for a bunch of folks that just wander in. This is a folks, this is a fight. Paul repeated it over and over. You're in a battle, folks, and you're going to win. But to get the idea to win, you've got to be a soldier. Endure hardness, the Bible says. Amen. you got your Bible. If you'd be so kind, just flip it over to the book of Hebrews chapter 12, where you're not going to read the whole chapter. But I'm just going to read a few verses, starting in verse number 5. Hebrews 12:5. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise thou not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement Or of all our partakers Then are ye bastards and not sons Furthermore we've had fathers of our flesh Which corrected us And we gave them reverence Shall we not much more rather be in subjection Under the father of spirits and live Now we want to do a few things in this message First of all we want to honor the fathers that are here And to do that of course, we we're going to talk about things that might pertain to dads to a degree. And all the rest of you can just join in and listen in, okay? And of also, we want to encourage you to know, to get to know, and this has been done all during this service, encourage you to become more acquainted with your Heavenly Father. And some of you are here today, and I can tell that you, at one time, had a relationship with your Heavenly Father. But today you're struggling. You're wondering if your heavenly Father wants you to come home, and I'm here to reassure you in this message He is. During the uh, era of what was called the golden age of radio, there was things called radio dramas. I'm sort of on the tail end of those things, but I remember as a kid we lived on a farm in Wisconsin, and there wasn't a whole lot to do except snow and chores. And at times they'd turn the radio on and there'd be a a radio drama that might precede the news. My folks loved the news and wanted to hear the news. We didn't hear much more than the news. They didn't like the music back then. They said it was jazz and that was considered kind of sinful. So we we heard a few of these little things. And uh, one of them was called Father Knows Best. This ran from 1949 to 1952. And in this particular radio drama, there was a, a man called Jim Anderson. who was set in the Midwest, and he had a wife and three children. I don't remember many of the episodes, but a few of them stuck out to me. In one case, the dad was taking a trip with the kids, and they're going Of course, you got to understand, this was before GPS and Waze and all those wonderful things. And so he told one of his boys, count the phone poles. Now, maybe you don't have those around here. Back then, we had phone poles. So I related to that. And he said, You count 100 phone poles and we'll turn right. Well, you can imagine what happened. The kid starts out one, two, three, four, five, gets in a conversation, and loses the number. And the father, of course, misses the turn and ends up in a ditch. Another episode, he's trying to teach his children to go the second mile. And so he's teaching his kids, you know, if they ask for something, do a little bit extra. So, of course, they're on another road trip. And while they're on their road trip, the car breaks down. So he goes to the back to get the toolbox. There's no toolbox. And one of the boys said, well, Dad, you taught me to go the extra mile. And one of the neighbors came to get a tool, and I just gave him the whole toolbox. He was portrayed as a very frustrated man who could become very sarcastic and constantly disappointed in his children and he called them the dumbest kids on the planet. So really what you would have back then was the beginning of the degrading of fatherhood. Fathers were just sort of put out there something really kind of out of it. Uh, You may have read some of these things about the world according to fathers and things fathers say. For instance, what part of no don't you understand? Then, of course, there was those famous phrases I heard in my life. This is going to hurt me more than hurts you. My father is very patriotic. He gave me the stripes and I saw the stars. Or when his eyes slipped shut and he said, Dad, wake up. He said, I'm not asleep. I'm just resting my eyes. Or shut that door, were you born in a barn? My dad was a farmer, so when we got dirty and we were going yuck, because of certain farm things are rather, well, anyhow. He said, a little dirt never hurt anybody. Or as long as you live under my roof, you live by my rules. Or, son, don't you know money doesn't grow on trees? and the worst one was don't make me stop this car another phrase my dad used to use was you have ears but can't hear or the most famous line of all dads is ask your mother some quotes have come out about this one of them that's very famous was when I was a boy of 14 my father was so ignorant I could hardly stand to have the old man around But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much he had learned in seven years. Author unknown, it's attributed to Samuel Clemens or Mark Twain. Another author we don't know said, Dad, you're someone to look up no matter how tall I've grown. Another one said, A father carries pictures where his money used to be. Several things come from my father who's been deceased some 30 odd years now. The one thing about my father was that he was number one a farmer, and he also was an insurance agent. Sold him what he called then American Family Insurance, called it Farmers Mutual way back then. Of course, farm um, agents are not always known to be honest. However, my father was known for his honesty, and he made us and himself face up to what you've done and be truthful. Hard work. It hasn't killed anybody he ever knew of and decided that was good for you procrastination was not tolerated his term was weight broke the bridge down when we went to church and we went to church a lot he expected us to behave not fidget to get involved and some of those services were, seemed to go on for one eternity but he'd love to go to church We would drive 90 miles one way in an evening after they'd made hay and milked the cows to go to a service at a camp meeting and then drive home that night to get up to milk the cows the next morning at 5 o'clock. He loved to tease and his teasing sometimes became very uncomfortable. He was a strong man physically and spiritually more than once I watched him when nobody else could push the car out he did it by himself he had great respect for the ministry he loved the ministry one of the reasons I'm in ministry is because my father respected ministry I've run into some you might know man now deceased brother Fred Scott one time pastor the little town of Cochrane he was my father's favorite pastor and Brother Scott told me stories about my dad I never knew about his generosity and so on. I found him caring for others. Long after he passed on, we found out that people came to my uh, relatives and they said, you know, Emmett Caskey, we were hurting desperately and he came to us to sell insurance, but he came back a couple hours later with a back seat full of groceries because he cared. He loved to bring people to church. Uh, even this past year, back in the month of January, I was at a uh, what we call a midwinter camp in another city, quite a distance from where I live, in Eau Claire, and three ladies stopped me in the middle of the hall, in the middle of the aisle, and said, We want you to know we are here because your dad and mom hauled us to Sunday school. This is now 30 plus years. They're still in church. There are those that... Uh, I remember we had a little tiny car. It was called a Corvair. This is maybe way before your time. They, they tried to mimic what was called a bug. My father was six foot plus, And so the front seat was all the way back. This is the days before bucket seats. And so those bench seats were all the way back. I had rather long legs. My knees were at my chin. And one night we went to church. We drove 20 miles to church. He had 14 people in that car. I was there. When the car stopped and we kept piling out, we thought it was a clown car. He'd teach Bible studies. I would, after, even after I was pastoring I would go to see him he said son I would go let's go to the so and so and he'd take me back in the back areas along the Mississippi River up some of those little country roads to a little house or little barn or a little farm and he would have his Bible chart he said I want you to teach them a Bible study when I was a teenager growing up he embarrassed me every time I mean he embarrassed me that I didn't want to go I began to really admire this later on but when I was a younger when we go to a place and he would begin to talk to the people of course being an insurance agent he would begin uh talking to them about their in needs for insurance do you have car insurance I sell the best do you have fire insurance I've got one of the greatest programs he was a farmer and he believed he had the greatest policy to cover farming in the community then he talked to them about health insurance and life insurance and if something happened to you would, could your family be taken care of and then he would always stop like this and what about life assurance do you know where you're going once you pass on he asked everybody that question and I'd see him, old tough farmers chewing on their tobacco scuff their feet and say uh, I haven't been to church in quite a while he'd go we'll pray Bible studies he was not a pastor he was just a layman that loved God and he'd witness and I'll tell you his witnesses, witnessing would embarrass you too because he just didn't say do you know the Lord he'd start preaching him his hands would fly he... more than once I said calm down dad i got to talk to this person he's respected throughout the community as being a Christian even when he passed on the sheriff came to his funeral to pay his respects and say this was a great man I was one of his problems I was a daydreamer he was a worker I was extremely nearsighted And my father was farsighted. And so he didn't know, he didn't believe I needed glasses. So sometimes driving the tractor, I was not driving in the right row. I heard about that too. These are things that I remember. You, You remember things. Now, whoever your father is, the pastor said it well. You've got to relate to your heavenly father. And Jesus taught about the prayer and he taught about the good father and then he talked about the creation as being relating to the fatherhood of God, Psalm sixty eight and five. He's a father of the fatherless and a judge of the widows. God is in his holy habitation. See sometimes we begin to relate our heavenly father to our earthly father and all of our earthly fathers in some way have failed and have done wrong or were favorable to one of the children or the other one but God is not like that the folk of Ephesians 4, 6 he said he's one God and father of all who is above all and through all and in you all I believe one of the greatest parables of the Bible is found in the book of Luke chapter 15 yes yes it's the parable we call of the prodigal son. But really, I don't want to focus on that guy so much as I want to focus on the father, the dad of this particular son, and sons, if you would allow me to get into that. Of course, the Bible, Jesus started out very quickly creating the scenario that would begin to show the crises that was about to take place. It seemed everything was going normal until the youngest kid showed up one day with this crazy idea that he wanted the inheritance before his father died. Now there's several things about this boy that you immediately begin to recognize. Number one, he's the younger. He's the baby. I had a younger brother. He got away with murder. He was spoiled. He doesn't believe that to this day, but I do. So he's a younger, so he comes up with this idea. He was the baby. And he says, I'd like the share of the inheritance. Now, ready this young whippersnapper character, and he most likely was near his 30s by this time, if not 30. And he wants to go and get these funds of his father, And he's too immature to handle anything coming his way. So the father of all things yields to the demands of this younger son. And he gives them the inheritance. Now you've got to understand back then they didn't go to the bank and borrow. They didn't go to the bank and say put up collateral the farm. There was no bank like that. This man, the father, had to be an embarrassment to the community. He knew that the community would talk. He had to put his assets up for sale. Part of the land, part of the buildings, part of the whatever. He had to sell it in order to get these funds. He reduced the size of whatever he had for this selfish boy. And right now you say, well look out. God is not... No, just a minute. You know, God yields to prayers that you pray that may not be good for you. God will answer prayers even if he knows it's not in our best interest. There were prayers paid, prayed in the Bible that were wrong. For instance, the children of Israel wanted meat. Meat. And it brought them destruction. But God listened to their prayer. There are times when you pray. Have you ever noticed that when we call the Lord's Prayer which is made up of approximately seven petitions to God and every one of these petitions actually is a prayer in itself. Our Father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name. You can spend a lot of time hallowing the name of the Lord. The next phrase is thy kingdom come now I don't want to go into a long detail on this but that's not an earthly kingdom because Jesus said if this kingdom was of this world my servants would fight he said my kingdom is not of this world so he's not talking about the kingdom that we sometimes think about that God's going to set up in the future he's talking about a kingdom for the apostle Paul defined it he said the kingdom of God is not meat and drink but righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost So the idea of the kingdom, when you're praying for the kingdom to come, you're asking something beyond yourself. Now, the next thing is, he says, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven now there are certain things the Bible defines as the will of God so the petition that God told us to pray was to include yielding our will to God's will to get what God wants us to have not what we want to have but in this case and in many cases in scripture people prayed prayers and in our own life we pray prayers to get something and once we get it we don't like it then we start complaining about what we got now I know I'm going to get on toes here but some of you brethren have prayed that God would allow your wife to buy a car allow you to buy the car and you got the car and it was a lemon you prayed you got it now you're saying God help me get rid of this whatever see some, sometimes we pray prayers and, we'll say, and this is what the mal boy did he asked this thing which was not good for him but the father after there so many things the bible says ask you shall receive seek you shall find knock it shall be open." you use that technique long enough it works no no you said that all right Christmas time your kids start laying things around the house ads Notes. I can't live without an iPad <laughs> or whatever they put down there. And pretty soon, who what you doing? You're chucking off to the store. And you're buying something that you can't afford because you know your baby wants that. And so it was here. The man goes to that thing, and so he gives into the request. Now this particular boy there were several good things about him that we sometimes overlook number one he left town and he went to the far country he was not going to make his mess at home he at least got out of town that's about the only good thing I can say about him and so he was not going to mess up the father's good name to do that so he goes there and he becomes a disgrace he wastes And squanders his inheritance; he blows it. He lives in an undisciplined life. The Bible puts it in a nice term: riotous living, and that included unholy living. He got so low when, when finally he runs out of money and he runs out of friends. He and there's a famine in the land. He becomes lower than a slave because the living in those days and remember Jesus is talking to Jews and when Jesus bring this next phrase up he's literally they're just going oh no because he said he couldn't find anybody that would give him a job except a citizen of the country and he ended up feeding swine he's so hungry now this doesn't make a bit of sense when we're growing up, we used to have pigs on the farm. There is nothing dirtier than a pig. I like ham, but I know what a pig is like. They always get their feet in the mud and their feet in the, in the feed at the same time. They get, the biggest mess you ever made is when you make them pig slop. I'm sorry, that's not a swear word. That's reality mix up the stuff and put this water in it and it's just ugly and pour it into their trough and they'll, they'll eat you to death getting that stuff. He's eating pigs. He's feeding pigs. And according to that time, a slave or a person so low was not allowed to eat anything that belonged to the animals. You could get beaten. You could get fired. You could get hurt. In fact, you know the stories you've read about concentration camps and so on where these people that are so emaciated and starved and they're forced to work out in gardens if they found them eating something they'd be shot on the spot it was a horrible condition this boy is in and he's out there he's got the lowest of the jobs he's not allowed even to eat what the pigs are eating and commentators as I've said believe that these people could not even touch the food and in that miserable condition he comes to himself and he said you know what the servants of my father have it better than this he's willing to humble himself how many people I know have left the kingdom of God left the ministry and God is dealing with them but they're too proud to admit it they're putting up their stories on Facebook of how good life is and you know it isn't true This boy was trying to live a lie and it's not working for him. And finally he says, this isn't working. And my father's slaves have it better than I have. And he's willing to start back home. There are things that I've learned over my time as a pastor and ministering to people and watching people go into the ministry and and then all of a sudden something comes along and they Fall out, and they begin to go the other direction. And you can't reach them, can't touch them. They're too embarrassed to even speak to you. And then they'll put a little deep blurb in some kind of a Facebook phrase about how much they appreciate the pastor. They're too proud to come home. And let me just preach for a moment, because somebody in this house is struggling with that. You know, I don't know who you are, but God knows exactly where you are. Because the way home is a rough way, this boy's going home. he has no food, he has no shoes, he has no coat, he's on a rough, long road. he's weak and nervous. he does not know what awaits him around the corner. he doesn't know as if Father will meet him at wherever gate or the uh, the garden gate or at the door and say keep going boy I don't want to see you ever again and he doesn't know what's happening there's no cell phone to call dad there's no communication he's going back on his own and he's heading home there's always that feeling I messed up well God take me back I've goofed up and there are times folks when you goof up you may have gone a distance you shouldn't have gone but here's this interesting story. The father sees him afar off. That dad kept looking and looking. The custom of that day was men of this st- state and time and life did not. they walked dignified. They walked like a man, an elder of importance. But when the father sees this son way in the distance he loses all dignity he picks up his robes and begins to run to meet him and he doesn't just run to meet him and say keep going he embraces him and he has words of compassion for him his son barely can get the words out of his mouth I have sinned against you and against God and I'm not worthy to be called your son please let me just be one of your slaves but the the father doesn't stop at that he turns to a servant and says bring him some shoes that doesn't mean much to us but when a man was a captive and a slave they removed his shoes he said bring me bring him some shoes he's no longer the fugitive he's no longer wandering he's coming home and i'm giving him some shoes and the bible said we are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace the best shoes you can have is to know that you're right with God and that you're headed on the right direction how many glad you got some shoes that came from your heavenly father hallelujah and he says bring him a robe I don't want him walking around in those old stained garments anymore I don't want that smell of the pig pen I don't want that smell of the dust of the road he said give him a good robe put a ring on his finger he belongs to the family he's part of the family he may have left and sold his ring but I'm giving him a new ring he's coming home he's my son and I need him in the father's house and so he says we're going to have a party we're going to rejoice we're going to have a good time now folks you got to understand that when you come to church you need to have a good time amen I know there's some times when we have to preach hard and we have to preach and we have to dig into your soul but really Church is a time of instruction, but it's a time of worship and praise. It's a time when you say, I'm glad I'm in the Father's house. I'm glad He included me in the family of God. Hallelujah. Thank you for the Holy Ghost. Thank you for baptism in Jesus' name. Thank you for freedom. Hallelujah. And we kick up our heels and shout a little bit because the joy of the Lord is our strength. Hallelujah. Somebody lift your hands right now and think of you are in the Father's house. Hallelujah. I'm glad I'm in Daddy's house. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, yeah. The Bible says the angels rejoice when one sinner repents. I'll tell you what aggravates me. I'll just tell you one of my pet peeves. When I've got somebody at the altar... And they're getting the Holy Ghost, and I'm so excited. They're talking in tongues, and I look around and I see people. They're talking about the Bears and the Packers. I don't know what you talk around here. I come from Bear Country and Packer Country, and they're discussing the Bears and the Packers, who won and who lost. Who cares? Somebody just got the Holy Ghost, and that's going to count a whole lot more than who's winning a championship. Hallelujah! His name just got written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. Hallelujah just the other night I was preaching and here comes this young couple never met him before and they came and I was preaching about pretty hard pre- preaching I would say and they're coming and they're, and they're reaching out for God and I prayed with the young lady and then I prayed with the young man and God just started to fill him with the Holy Ghost he didn't know what had hit him he didn't know what it was but he was getting to speak in that other language I said do you understand anything you said he said no but I said I can't even stand up he's a big burly guy I can't even stand up my knees are as weak as water when you get an experience like that honey this is where life's at this is what it's all about this is the excitement of seeing what God is oh hallelujah 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 and here's what happens in this house here comes that elder brother the one that you know remember he father divided the inheritance that means the older son had got a double portion he had it he owned the farm this kid coming home had nothing he had a robe and a ring and some shoes the other boy owns the farm he's been there he hasn't messed up he's been plowing out in the field he's been planting the the wheat he's been harvesting he's been working he's been it's hard labor we're not talking about driving the John Deere we're talking about driving some oxen tough stuff hard work sweaty and this guy gets angry and I've seen that happen in the church here comes a person that's been walking away from God and been doing wrong and they come back to church and you see some folks back there with their arms crossed well I wonder how long this is going to last I've been around a while, okay? And some folks don't ever get it. The folks, you rejoice. If angels rejoice, the church needs to rejoice. Amen. And I'm telling you, that this this guy got the most surly attitude. And I want you to notice what he begins to say. I've served thee all these years. Everything on this farm since this character left I've made sure it grew every cow in this place every sheep in this place I've taken care of and overseen it for you and you never even gave me a kid a little goat to make uh, have a time or a party with my friends yeah and now this lowly scuzzbag comes home called my brother and you don't give him a kid you killed a fatted calf this isn't fair and he's upset and the father says to him son you've been with me always it's time to come in and party everything I have is yours you still got a ministry. There are people that have come back to God no longer have a ministry. They'll no longer be able to use that gift God has given them to preach or to teach. They have messed up so bad they will always just be at church. Amen. But there are others that have been in the church and you've still got your ministry you haven't messed up you've walked with God I've been on district boards I can tell you there's some people that come to the district board we've had to say we know you're anointed we know you've done this but your life is such a mess we cannot accept you they've dint themselves in by their living that's why we, when you get a call of God on your life don't mess it up because but what happens is the elder brother gets this attitude and he begins to think that he has never... You know what? You've got to understand something. If you've been in the church for any length of time, you are a privileged person. Quit telling me that the devil's been chasing you all day long. That isn't true. You've been chasing the devil all day long. You got out of bed this morning and the devil says, oh no, they got up this morning and they're going to church and they're going to praise the name of the Lord and they're going to call on the name of the Lord and when they call on the name of the Lord, I got to get out of there. Honey, when you came to church this morning and called on the name of Jesus, every demon in hell started to shake because you are, oh, come on, you're an army of anointed people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah and you've got something to tell the world that's great and fantastic you've been with me everything I have is yours you can rejoice in it you see that son had lost something and he'd lost an inheritance and the father has to work at calming this elder boy down I've had people that after 20 years and thank God after going wherever they went showed up back in church said pastor we want to be with you because this church wants to win the lost and we want to win the lost and I've had a deal with folks that were there all that time saying, do you trust Him? Do you really trust Him? You know they left before. Well, I'm going to trust Him because God already talked to them. They may, they may mess me up one more time, but I'm here to tell you they're still working for God. When you see somebody come back and they get involved with what they can do, they maybe won't be able to do everything they could before, but they get involved and they say, can we clean the church? You can leave the church. Could we pass up? Yeah, you can do that. Come on, they need to be involved in the kingdom of God. They're bringing back talents. They're bringing back all kinds of abilities, and they need to be involved in the kingdom of God all over again. And the church needs to rejoice. My God is a restorer. My God is a forgiving God. My God is a oh come on say it. He's a mighty God. He's able to do in the impossible oh hallelujah and you're in that church right now you're part of that church right now you've been called by your heavenly father to be a part of the church hallelujah hallelujah clap your hands and shout again clap your hands and shout the Lord is on our side the kingdom of God is among us oh hallelujah oh hallelujah hallelujah Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah Amen Praise God Well I've been here for years And the pastor never notices me I've been passing out the bulletins For I don't know how long And he never even said thank you But that character comes in the door And the pastor makes over him Like the, yes he's the lost son Coming home you've been here all this time you know what it's been like you haven't had a taste of the pig pen you've been in the presence of God all this time oh it's not always enjoyable being in the church I understand that because there are attacks I already told you that but you're the one that's making, pushing the attack against the gates of hell that's why he's mad at you as long as the church sits around and does nothing the devil doesn't care who you are but let the church start making some impact against his kingdom you're going to feel a little heat just keep on giving him the heat hear me you gotta give him the heat oh yes hallelujah amen and so if that happens if you begin to feel like that it'll take away your joy and the joy of the Lord is your strength and then you start running around with I'm not getting fed in this church anymore shut up I'm sorry you're being fed. It's got your ears are tight. You're so blinded. Folks, I'm preaching because God wants to set somebody free in this house. And I, I wrestle with God. But should I preach this? He's said, preach it. I've got to preach to you. It's time to come home. And it's, if you're at home, it's time to get happy that you're in the church. It's happy that you're in the kingdom of God. Rejoice that you're part of the family of God. Get excited about it. hallelujah so the scriptures we read we know one thing our heavenly father knows what's best for us Ah, when we were growing up you know we got all these words it's going to hurt me more than it hurts you I told you that and uh, I felt that a few times in my life but I'm here to tell you that that kind of discipline makes you aware hallelujah sometimes that means dads take away privileges you're not going there but daddy everybody else is and mom might even say you're being a little hard but if something in your heart is triggering it off they don't need to go to that place they don't need to go to that party stand by what God gives you Amen. You got to set parameters of what's acceptable and not acceptable. And God sets parameters of what's good and what's not. Discipline is not always a spanking. Discipline is training. Discipline is mentoring. Discipline is directing. Not just clobbering the kid, directing the child. Amen so you send them out to cut the lawn and to cut off all the flowers my wife accuses me of that to this day I said I can't tell the difference sometimes so she started mark marking with big pieces of wood so when the lawnmower hit it I knew it there's parameters you've got to set training and you know it's a lot easier to complain than train sometimes you have to urge and sometimes you have to convince and that may take a little bit and sometimes God's training is not always enjoyable but he shows us his love through discipline discipline comes from several things number one reading the word of God sometimes discipline comes from a preacher that preaches and you go to the pastor and say Who told you about me? Did you tell that pastor about me? No. God knows all about you. Or sometimes discipline comes with a problem we get ourselves into and cannot solve. You know, the way you respect your father, maybe your father was not good, but the way you honor him. I had a man that came to me, wounded, very wounded man. And he sat in my office and we would he'd do a lot of things around the church work he'd work hard and but he as we would ride along sometimes in a van that he was fixing or something he'd be weeping pastor you don't know what my dad did to me you don't know what my dad said to me I did something to him I hadn't done to many people in my life I said you need to go and find the grave where he was buried And you need to go there and you need to tell that grave everything you don't like about him. And then say, I forgive you and leave your problem at the grave. So nothing's going to change. The man is dead. You can't get even. You can't do anything. But you've got to leave it there. You see, if you don't leave some things, they'll haunt you all of your life. He did go there and he did do that. And he told me later on it was a very helpful thing but he still had to fuss with that. Maybe your father was careless but your heavenly father is thoughtful. Maybe your dad was never there when you needed him but may I remind you your heavenly father will never leave you nor forsake you. Maybe your father hurts you but your heavenly father loves you. Maybe your dad said you're going to be a failure. But your heavenly father said, I'm giving you my spirit. And this is the faith that overcomes the world. What's the reason for God to discipline in our lives? Number one, it's to become part of his holiness. So that we can strengthen the weak knees. That we can lift up the hands that are falling down. And that we can make straight paths for the feet that follow us. Make that path as straight as you possibly can, Dad. Even if you're a grandpa, make your path really straight. Because little feet are following your footsteps. And they admire the dad and the granddad that keeps walking with God regardless. Learn to be a peacemaker some folks are always trying to get on top but sometimes peace is a whole lot more valuable than the last word pursue holiness and then the Bible says don't frustrate the face the grace of God God's grace is that inner strength that helps you to overcome the situation of life that you're in and then the thing that men have to worry about more than anything is bitterness bitterness We thought the ladies had the problem, but the Bible deals more with men than women on the subject of bitterness. Bitterness is that little thing that pops up in our life of something that didn't go our way when we thought it should. Now, guys, we hate to admit this, but we've got the problem. Because that man part of us wants to win. And when things don't quite make us the winner, we don't like it. And we will keep reminding ourselves that if certain people and certain things hadn't gotten in our way, we would be on top. It's happened your job. Somebody got the promotion. You didn't. You deserved it. You're going to struggle giving that man any kind of honor and any kind of praise because you know you could have done it better. Oh, am I stepping on toes today? But we deal with that. The Bible said, Let any root of bitterness rising up defile you. The last thing we want to happen is that those moments before and I met pastors I met preachers I met men and at the very end of their life they're still mumbling about somebody or something that held them back folks leave it behind it's not worth it hallelujah hallelujah we're going to stand I know you've got other vids right now that are going to take place. But I want us just for a moment to let the Holy Ghost begin to minister. God cares about you. God cares about your hurt and the heart and the need that you have. And he's here to give you that kind of confidence and love that you need. Hallelujah and I want us to do this old song here I am dear Lord here I am I give myself to you here I am if you can possibly give yourself to the Lord would you give himself to you would you lift your hands right now I'm talking to some young people some, some young girls that are here the devil's been trying to steal your victory there's some allurement out there that's trying to pull you away God's got a grip on you today right now with his love and you need to come home right. it's time to come home and sir young man the same thing with you you need to come home to the call of your heavenly father say Lord I'm here right now hallelujah we can take a few moments like this I'd like to pray with you and pray for you would you just start coming toward the front for a few moments and then we can go on with the program. Here
1: I am, Come on. Man. Here I am. Well, I give all myself. Spirit.